My name is Dan, and I'm new here. Um, it kind of feels that way. I've been gone for a couple weeks on vacation, and uh, we had an absolutely outstanding time. You might notice if I shake your hand, though, I'll be using my left hand because part of that outstanding time was me tearing my bicep. Yeah, so that was, that was fun. Um, uh, that was actually just slightly better than Disney World, if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, has anybody been to Disney World? Yeah, really? Really? You get excited about Disney. It's terrible. Why do people, why do you all go there? Seriously, you spend a fortune and you go wait in these stupid long lines. I don't mean to be that grumpy old man, but you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. You wait in these stupid long lines, it's 95 degrees and 300% humidity, and for, they say it's like the greatest place on earth. There's no chairs. Have you noticed there's like literally no place to sit down? So what do people do? They just sit on the pavement. I'm like, we just paid ridiculous amount of money to look like we're homeless. That's what we just did. We're, you want a glass of water? That'll be $12.50, sir. That's what we did. And then you wait in these long lines for really not good game, uh, rides, right? You want to go to a good ride, you go to Busch Gardens or you go to Cedar Point. You go to Disney World, Magic Kingdom, and you get on this little ride, and you literally wait for 45 minutes to an hour while you watch the rich people walk past you with their stupid pass, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a fun time. It's like, hey, thanks for reminding me again I'm not important and watching these people walk by you over and over. But you, you wait in this line and you get on this ride. It's going to be this great adventure, this super fun time. You sit there. If you're like me, you, you squeeze into this stupid thing. You're flying coach on the ride too. And you're, you're on it for like three minutes and you get off and you're like, wow, that was really worth the money and the time. You know, we laugh about that, but we all end up going because we want to create these memories and we want to have this great adventure with our family. I've got news for you. There's something more exciting in our lives that doesn't cost you anything. And it's the greatest adventure you could ever go on. And that is joining God on mission to multiply ourselves. Friends, you don't have to do it alone. Look around you. These are the people you get to go on this adventure with. i got to tell you, it's way better than Disney. It's way better than Disney. I want to talk to you today about taking a step closer to Christ through multiplication. Now, I don't want you to start and say, Pastor, this, this sounds like a works-based sermon. This is a get-to-based sermon. It's not about what we have to do as followers of Jesus. If that's the mindset that we have, then get out of that mindset. It's about what we get to do when we partner with an awesome God, with this awesome privilege, with this awesome mission of watching people's lives change through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to do that. We get to do it. We get to do it. And I think a lot of us, we need to change a perspective that we don't have to go out and share the gospel. We don't have to be these great theologians. We get just to be people, ourselves, who are just normal and regular and plain in so many ways that serve an extraordinary God that does extraordinary things. And we got to be a part of it. We get to be on the ride. And there's no line. 
and water's not $12.50. It's getting there, but it's not there yet. Gas, that's $12.50. Water, it's pretty cheap. Again, we're in this series about taking a step closer to Christ to be more like Jesus. Aside of maybe being persecuted for our faith, there may be nothing that helps us to become more like Jesus than sharing the good news about Jesus. You know, this is something he started as soon as he started his earthly ministries. While he was sharing, while he was doing compassionate things, while he was healing people, healing the sick and and, and the blind and all those sort of things, he was always pointing people to God. That's what it was all about. It wasn't about just healing the blind. You know that, right? The blind people that Jesus saved or healed, they're dead. Did you know that? The lepers that he healed, all all gone. They're dead. The the Lazarus, who he rose from the dead, you know where he's at? He's dead. (laughs) He's in heaven. It was all about pointing people to God. It was all about showing that he was equal to God, that he was the Son of God. Demonstrating his divinity. Demonstrating his power. Because this earth that we live on, the best we can do is like Disney World. What comes after is far better and far more important. That's what Jesus was telling people. And if we want to become more like Jesus, we have to engage, we get to engage in this thing called multiplication both as individuals and corporately as a church. Now, we talked about this in Undivided a few weeks ago, and I'm going to get into a little bit more details. I want to give you some tools that will be just so simple that even I could use them. Okay? But first, before we do that, we're going to go into, uh, we're going to open the Word and go to Luke chapter 10. Excuse me real quick. There's a delay in my microphone. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. And before we read, would you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this family that I get to be a part of, that my family gets to be a part of. These people, these men, women, these kids who who love you. And just we were just so grateful to be here and be part of this church that, that you are the head of. God, we thank you for the opportunities that you give us. As we look back on the lives that we lead, as we approach to the end, I can't help but to think of the highlights are going to be those times where we are doing and being a part of what you are doing and being a part of. I I can't help but to think about the, the times where I've been able to have the front row seat of somebody passing from death into life and how much greater and grander than Disney that that ever could be. God, as we go to your word, I just pray that your spirit will speak in and through your word and through me this morning, and that it will cause us to take a step closer to you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, it has been a couple weeks, so I'm going to struggle to make sure I stay within time, but I will. I will. I'll make sure we stick within time, but I've got about 10 sermons I want to preach right now, so I'm just going to have to go... Really fast, no, I'm kidding. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever, you, whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in that same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of, of your own town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now what we have here during this uh, text is we have Jesus is taking his disciples, and there's 72 of them, and he sends them out into the highways and byways to the, to the different towns to proclaim that God has come, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's very similar to what he's called us to do. Now, this is a historical account. Uh, there are some specifics that you're probably not going to be called to do, right? You're probably not going to be standing outside of Ontario shaking the, the dust off of your shoes. But, but the overall principle is something that we're still called in to do, is to go out and to share the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand and that salvation has come through Jesus Christ. It's what we're called to do as well. And it's an exciting thing that we're called to do. Now, this text, if you notice, it begins with after this. So before we go any further, we need to stop and ask after what? So we back up a little bit to Luke 9, 57 through 62. It says this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, doesn't this text sound like Jesus is being pretty harsh? To his people keep in mind the guy who says let me go back and first bury my dad his dad hadn't died yet but he's saying let me go back and live out my time with my dad until he dies and then i'll join you what we're hearing is as jesus saying this must become a priority in your life this must become a priority in your life knowing that jesus was going to go die a horrific death on the cross he really wasn't super interested in excuses as to why somebody couldn't follow him. What's our excuse, church? What's our excuse to not go and follow Jesus in this way that we have been called? This is even before Jesus died and he rose again. He was calling his followers to go and to make disciples, proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God was at hand. It's the same calling that is in every one of our lives. Did you know that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to be a disciple maker? I think too often we wrongly think that we just, we just, we just kind of uh, 
a class of our, classify ourselves as just disciples. Well, if we are a disciple of Jesus, that means we're becoming more like Jesus and acting and doing things more like Jesus. So if we are truly a disciple of Jesus, that means we are a disciple maker. We can't stay in school forever. Right? You can't just stay at school forever. We have to put it to use. We get to put it to use. Jesus prioritizes disciple making by saying to let the dead bury the dead and no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What he's saying is this is the priority. This is the priority. And if I'm asking you to go do it, go and do it. What's too much to ask of you? We, we need to think about that. What is too much for Jesus to ask of us who has saved us? There really should be nothing, right? There should be nothing, including laying down our lives. That should be too much to ask. When it becomes too much for us to ask, it's because we have too much of a worldly mentality and mindset that this is all there is. That this world that we live in Come, you know, 60, 70, 80 years, whatever it might be, that's what this is about. Friends, it's not what it's about. What comes later is so much better, so much grander and eternal. That's what this is about. And the people around us in this world are opportunities for us to see God do some incredible things. Guys, I want us to be excited every single week about not what's happening in here. I want that too. But what he's using the people in here to do out there. I, I, I want to I be a part of a church where we hear story after story after story of new life in Christ. Do you think it's possible just for yourself to lead one person to Christ in the next year? Now let me ask you, we have about 700 people here throughout both the services. What if every single person led one person to Christ this year? That's 1,400 people. What happens if that happens the next year? It's 2,800 people. You guys, that's not a big ask. What's stopping us? What's stopping us? I'm afraid is that we haven't made it a priority in our lives. Multiplication must become a priority in our lives. Matthew 5, 14 through 17 says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Have we been a, a generation who has been sitting on our candles and hiding them? I'm afraid sometimes we have. I think we've become okay with pointing out all of the things that are wrong in this world without pointing the world to the thing that can fix it. Did you get that? Who is it that convicts of sin, by the way? So it's not us. We take, we take up the wrong fight so many times. And by doing it, we snuff out that light that we've been called to show to the world. There is a lot wrong in this world, guys. 
But can I tell you, there's a lot wrong with what's on the stage right now, too. It's the Holy Spirit that will convict of sin, not me. I get a good job. You know what my job is? Pointing to pe people to the one who can save them. That's my job. I don't have to tell them all that's wrong. Now, part of our disciple-making process is maybe, you know, telling a younger brother or sister, hey, this is a thing in your life that needs to go away. Here's why. It's hurting you. But I get the good job of saying, guys, there is hope for this world, and the hope is named Jesus. We get to do that. We get to do that. You are the light of this world. Don't forget that. There's a quote. Now, this quote, I've never seen more people who have been credited with a quote than this particular quote. And it is this. Christianity is just one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. Have you, have you heard that one? By the way, if you look it up, there's, there's no less than six or eight people that that quote's credited to. Whoever it is, well done. Because that's what this is. We're just one beggar, one sinner, one person who is lost, showing one other beggar, one other sinner, one other person who is lost where they can find their way. Who has saved us? We need to keep that mindset. Multiplication will happen when we appreciate what God has done for us. When we really appreciate what God has done for us. I know, guys, there are seasons in our lives where we sit back and we think about all that God has done for us. But we, we don't stay there, do we? Not nearly enough. I'm learning as I'm getting a little bit older. Speaking of getting older, it's Pastor Isaiah's birthday today. Yeah. He's not in here, so I don't know why you're clapping. Um, but his family is, so they'll pass it on for you. Oh, he is here. Hi, Isaiah. Happy birthday. For your birthday today, I have scheduled two services, a pizza with a pastor, and a business meeting. You can thank me later. I won't tell you all how old he is, but he's halfway to 70. All right. <laughs> if you're good at math. Multiplication must become a priority in our life. It starts by appreciating what God has done for us. As I'm getting older... I think I'm appreciating moments better than I did when I was younger. Does that make sense to anybody in the room? You know, on our vacation, we have kids and grandkids who live in Alaska. Alaska's a really long ways away. And, and because of that, I haven't been able to spend a lot of time with my grandchildren. But I got to tell you, it's, it, as while that can be sad in some time, moments, we got to spend a couple weeks with them. And in that time, that, it was so much sweeter because I really appreciated them. You get it? Like, I really appreciated them. And I can't help but to think, isn't that the way God wants us to look at him? Like, can we take more moments and time in our lives to appreciate God? To think about what he's done for us and then through us? Because I think if we do that, what we're talking about today comes naturally. I can't wait to tell you about my grandkids. You know what they've done for me? Nothing. One's for me. He drooled on me a little. Right? Why, why don't I have that same compulsion to tell everybody about Jesus? It's because I don't stop and take enough time to appreciate him and what he's done and who he is. 
Guys, walking in Christ, walking and becoming more like Jesus is the sweetest endeavor you will ever take on. From the outside, it just seems like so much work. But when you're in it, it is so good. It is so good. And it comes naturally when we spend time and appreciate God and prioritize His calling in our lives. It's not about work, it's about adventure. The greatest adventure we could ever go on. We prioritize multiplication when we make our lives available to God. I, was, uh, I stopped at a McDonald's yesterday, and this is one of those conviction things that, that kind of hit me right away. I stopped at McDonald's on the way, and I, needed, I had a migraine. I needed a cup of coffee. So I'm walking in, like, blind in one eye, trying to get a cup of coffee. And I said, I just want a couple ice cubes in my cup so I could, you know, drink it right away. And the kid gives me the coffee, and it's, like, filled with ice. I didn't tell him about Jesus. <laughs> you know, I walked away thinking, what an idiot. But before I got to the car, the conviction of the Holy Spirit set in. I thought, there's probably a missed opportunity there. Just to stop and say, hey, thanks for the ice, man. Does it really matter that my cup was full of ice? No, it doesn't. Am I prioritized? It's those small things. Maybe that was a moment that God was going to use. Right? We recognize those moments when we prioritize His calling in our lives, when we make our lives available to Him, when we appreciate what God has done for us. We also get to depend on God for the results. We just have to be willing. Life change isn't up to you for somebody else. That's between them and God to work out. We just need to be willing. And at the end, it's all about God's glory. God is glorified, most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Again, when we're talking about multiplication, this is just a natural flow out of what is happening when we're satisfied in God. I'm going to try to move on kind of quickly here. We multiply in two primary ways as Christians. First of all is personal multiplication. The second is corporate multiplication. But personal multiplication, I want to talk about this uh, just briefly. I'm afraid when it comes to personal multiplication, when we think about evangelism and sharing our faith and, and, and being one disciple discipling another person, it's such a big thing, it scares us. I feel like most of us don't feel like we are equipped enough to do this. I feel like most of us are scared by how big of a job it is. And I, I'm sure I'm seeing heads nod and yeah, like that's, I don't know what to say. I, what, I don't even know where to begin when I'm discipling somebody, all those things. It's not up to you. It's not up to you. Just be willing. One of my favorite stories that kind of uh, um, illustrates this truth is the story of D.L. Moody coming to Christ. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time in it because it's so well known, the story. But basically he was in a small a Sunday school class in Chicago the Sunday school teacher was frustrated because D.L. Moody didn't seem like he was getting it. So the Sunday school teacher goes and visits him um, at his part-time job at a shoe sales. He was a shoe salesman. So he goes in there and he gets fitted for a shoe. And while his foot's up there, he says to D.L. Moody, I, I want you to come to know Christ. He leaves thinking, I screwed up big time. I did a terrible job. That What kind of presentation of the gospel was that? But God used that presentation of the gospel D.L. Moody comes to Christ and becomes one of the greatest evangelists in, in the last 200 years. 
Be willing. Don't worry about being clever. Don't worry about having the things to say. Be willing to be used by God. And the more you do, and the more you screw up and botch the evangelistic message and all that kind of stuff, and see God work anyways, the more you're going to be satisfied in Christ realizing He has this under control. Be willing. That's all. Be willing. Don't be perfect. Don't be perfect, but be willing. That's what we're called to do. Romans 10.14 says this, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody, someone preaching? That's you to be preaching. Another quote that was, a, was attributed to somebody who may have never said it, that I absolutely detest if it's on your refrigerator at home. I'm not even sorry about what I'm going to say, okay? But um, uh, preach the gospel. What is it? Preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. We're not even sure, number one, if anybody actually like, or, you know, said that, that was famous. But preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. Basically what it's saying is, live your life in such a way that you don't need to say anything that people will just see Jesus spewing out of you. Can I tell you, we aren't that impressive And words are necessary. Words are necessary. Now, when I say give up on trying to look and live more like Jesus, absolutely not. But if you're fully depending on that, you're going to miss the ball. Because we're not that impressive. Words are necessary. I mean, Romans 10.14 probably isn't wrong. How are they going to hear if we don't preach? If we don't tell them? We get to tell them. Let's take part in that. Listen, I want, to, I want us to demystify this personal multiplication in evangelism. There's so many people, listen, I can give you all kinds of stats, they change all the time, but they're all pretty similar in that 90 plus percent of Christians just don't share their faith. That means most of us just don't. We hope that maybe it will come up and we'll be able to answer a question. But I've learned in my life, the times that it come up, more often than not, if I'm not prayed up, if I'm not really intentional, I miss them and I see them later. Right? We need to use words, but we don't have to be super eloquent. Listen, you don't have to be Billy Graham. Did you know that? Like, you don't have to be get Billy Graham to see people come to Christ. You know what you need to be? You and willing. That's what you need to be. The world had Billy Graham. Billy Graham was a great man. Billy Graham is now in heaven. I have no doubt about it. You know who God needs you to be? He needs you to be you, and he needs you to be willing. And stop being so scared of something that doesn't even depend on you. You get to be a part of this adventure. In our, in our missional community, we're going over this, this book, and it's an acronym called BLESS, and uh, Dave and, and John Ferguson wrote this book called Bless. They're not really the originators of this idea. They just kind of tweaked it around. Uh, I, as I was at MCS at, at a chapel and kind of shared some of this stuff. If you were there, uh, don't get excited. I'm not going to pass out ice cream this time. Um, in a, a scripture fellowship, I, I shared with, with you as well. I did not give you ice cream, so I apologize. Um, but Bless, really quickly here, this, this acronym here, B is for B in prayer when it comes to personal evangelism. I'm going to do this real quick, though. B is for be in prayer. L is for listen. Become a better listener. 
We don't always have to be the one talking. We have two ears, one mouth for a reason, right? We should listen twice as much at least as we talk. E is for eat. That's my favorite one. I like to do that. And what this talks about is be hospitable. Have a meal with somebody. S, the first F, is for serve. I would say not just going and serving other people, but serving alongside of other, other people. And the, the last S is st- S for story, which is just know your story and, and be able to share what God has done in your life in like two to three minutes. It doesn't have to be super long-winded. You don't have to make it exciting. God did that. You just got to point them to Christ. That's all. That's all. So be in prayer, listen, eat, serve, and story. I want to give you five B's. And if you bring nothing else home with you today, bring these five B's home with you. When it comes to personal evangelism, first of all, be in prayer. It doesn't count on you. It counts on God. He's the one who's going to convict sins. He's going to be the one who draws people closer to him. Be in prayer that God would use you. That God would open your eyes to see those opportunities that are in front of you every single day. They're there. They're there. The second B is be willing be willing. By the way, I want to give you a free commercial on these five Bs. Be perfect is not one of them. Be eloquent is not one of them. Be articulate is not one of them. Be in prayer. Be willing. Be intentional. It's not about just stepping into McDonald's to get a cup of coffee. You could have a God encounter in there if you're looking for it. Pastor Phil told the story of a couple a few weeks ago, and we baptized a young man. Why? Because, because Phil went in to get his tires changed or oil changed, I don't remember which. But he met a guy, had an opportunity to lead him to Christ and baptize him here. That happens when we're intentional. By the way, Phil didn't do any of that. God did it all. Be intentional. Be yourself. There's only one of you ever made. Do you know that? There's only one of you ever made. You're unique. You're special. You're created in God's own image. You've been given this circle of influence that nobody else on earth has. It's unique to you. You don't need to be Billy Graham. Be you. Be yourself. And then finally, be at peace. Leave the results to God. Oh, man, I really, I went and I shared my faith with somebody and Every time I do it, it seems like I get rejected. No, they rejected God. They didn't reject you. They rejected God. And again, you don't have the power to convict of sins or draw somebody to Christ. Be at peace. That's his work to handle. But be yourself. Be intentional. Be willing and be in prayer. And see what God will do through you. I want to give you a couple ways, practical ways, that as a body of believers, you can step into this right now. Right now. One, you can just go, well, maybe more than a couple ways. One, go home and do these five Bs and see what will happen. So practical ways, Rick already brought up the food pantry. We've had several people come to this church and encounter Christ because they were given some food. You heard, you heard Rick say, this is an area where we have opportunity for you to serve. I, th- I think it's once a month. You just come, you get a box of food, you take it to somebody's house. What do you do when you get there? 
Well, you're, you're already have been in prayer. You're willing, you're intentional, you're yourself, and you're at peace. And see what God might do through it. I, I believe wholeheartedly that before the end of this year, with as intentional as we're taking this food pantry, we're going to have story after story after story of God doing something incredible. And you right now have an opportunity to be a part of that adventure. Don't let that pass you by. Don't let it pass you by. See Rick, see Darlene, see Diana in the, in the, um, in the lobby after church. Just say, hey, I'm interested in helping out with this. It's an area where you could do it. You could see God do something incredible. I was part of children's ministry. I was part of biker ministries. They're all different kind of conduits to do the same thing. There's another opportunity, and this one is pressing. It's coming up very quickly, and that is to be a part of this Bill Glass prison ministry that we're, that we're, we're partnering with Bill Glass Ministries with. We need 100 men to sign up by Wednesday. We have 25 signed up. And I think it's because a lot of people are scared. It's not just our church, by the way. It's for the, kind of the region. I want to encourage you guys. Don't miss this opportunity. You're going to show up on a Friday. You're going to have a meal, get some training. And with a group of men, you're going to go into a prison. They're going to share an evangelistic message. And you're going to get to go and be a part of what happens. You're going to have conversation, gospel conversations with inmates. Do I need to remind you of what happens from a result of gospel presentations with inmates? Our own pastor, Lentrell, who we're sending to plant the church, multiplying corporately in Euclid. Don't you want to be a part of a story like that? You ever hear a story about Bob Ray opening his house up and all these things with Lentrell? These things happen all the time to willing people. Isn't that cool? Sign up. If you don't know how to sign up, go see Diana after this service, guys. We need 75 more men to go sign up for this. We just had a, what event, when was it? Uh, this last weekend, yesterday, at Noble Correctional. There were 64 teammates there. Um, there was, what was it, 135, 135 first-time commitments to Christ. 65 people 64 people got to see 135 people and inmates pass from death into life. Isn't that incredible? On top of that, 189 recommitted their life to Christ. 135 first-time commits, 189 recommitments. You get to be a part of an adventure that God is doing all the work in. Don't miss these opportunities. I have a whole other point that I'm going to skip now. But I'll do this week. I'll, this is what I'll do. I'll do a video of this last point. We'll put it on uh, FaceTime, or, um, Facebook and YouTube. And uh, uh, you can kind of check it out there. So, but I'm going to go ahead and invite the band to come up now. This is what happens when you take a two-week vacation and you're a preacher. You have three weeks worth of sermons to do. Friends, I, 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 wanna, I, don't wanna, I don't think I can overstate this. When it comes to being part of multiplication, it is such an awesome experience. I say this all the time. Christianity isn't drudgery and just like, oh, this is so hard. We don't get to do anything. I can't go and do those things I used to do. If that's the way it is for you, can I tell you, you're doing it wrong. 
Christianity, following Christ, being part of multiplication is, is a sweet time. It's an incredible adventure that we get to be on as we see God changing life after life after life. As we see light being brought into darkness and that God would use us to be a part of it. How humbling and incredible is that for us? I want us to pray and then we have another song and praise. God, thank you. Thank you that you have invited us to be on this incredible adventure of multiplication with you. God, we didn't talk about it a lot today, but there was a price that was paid for us to be able to have this relationship and adventure with you. That price was the cross. Help us to remember that and to appreciate you. For you have defeated death. You have defeated sin. And you have invited us to be a part of this ministry of seeing people go from death into life. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.